Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Tom Moran here from Tom's Big Spoilers. Going to kick this one off talking about a, a recent video I, I put up and a couple of responses I got to. Again, nothing bad, but I recently posted up my video on Harpactera pulchropes. It was one of my featured species ones where I kind of go more into detail on it. Now, I love the Harpactera pulchropes, one of my easily one of my top three favorite spiders of anything I keep. I just there's just something about it. I love the looks of them. The fact that I've had three of them, they've all been very laid back. Uh, four of them, I had a mature male, but obviously I didn't raise that. That one was given to me, but even that one was very laid back for a matured male. I've had great luck with them. And they look pretty and they're visible. So it's like a wonderful combination of having a baboon, a pretty baboon spider that is out and about and you see it all the time. So was really excited about posting this video up. And the response has been excellent. I don't want anybody to think this is starting off a negative note. It's not at all. But I did think people brought up valid points and something I need to clarify. So basically at the end of the video, because what happens is I – I'm very cognizant of what who my audience is. I have people that are, you know, they've been in the hobby for a while that will come and check out my videos because they'll get something new. And I've had I've gotten this comment many many times, and and I love it. It just means that I'm doing something right. And they'll be like, hey, you know, I just picked up blah 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 whatever species, and I immediately jumped over to your website and to YouTube to see if you had a guide on it. So we get people that you know are obviously some of these folks have been in the hobby for a while. They just want to know how I'm keeping it. And I think in some cases I've just become part of people's research when they're looking up a species and hopefully they just use me as a springboard they go out read some more stuff and see that hopefully what I'm reporting is what everybody else is reporting but anyway there's also a large group of people that are watching my videos because they're just starting to get into the hobby and they're seeing what's out there they're kind of window shopping and uh, they I try to tell as much about these species as I can about you know their behaviors about the, any weird husbandry notes or quirks or whatever I try to get it all in there and I have a lot of folks that will say yeah you know I'm not ready for an old world yet, but I'm watching these videos so that when I am ready for one, or I have people say, yeah, I'm really interested in getting into the hobby. I'm a beginner. I've either got one tarantula. I haven't even bought my first tarantula yet, and I'm trying to see what's out there. So when I put some of these videos up, I know I'm putting up pictures of very pretty spiders, and some people might not have the background knowledge yet to know that some of the very pretty spiders are not necessarily beginner friendly. And that's, you know, I think sometimes on boards and, and Facebook groups, we take for granted the fact that we recognize that there are our old worlds and new worlds. It's a very simple concept to get once you start getting into the hobby more. New worlds kick hairs, old worlds more inclined to bite, venom's going to be worse. I think that's something a lot of us get to the point we learn very quickly. So we forget that there was probably a point when we got into the hobby that we didn't know that. I know I didn't. I remember going to look at, and I always talk about the Thailand Black that I went to look at at a show and it was slapping at everybody that walked by. And the only reason I didn't pick that one up is I was like, you know what, I'm arachnophobic. This probably wouldn't be a good idea to have a tarantula that acts like that all the time. But at that point, I thought it's, if it had bit me, it would have been like a bee sting. And boy, would have I, I have been wrong. So that's something we need to keep in mind is that a lot of people new to the hobby aren't aware of this difference. This, you know, it's, it's a pretty significant difference between the two species. And then you start talking about temperaments. You realize that overall, and and I try to make this very clear that not every species, you know, every species, their behavior varies from specimen to specimen. So overall, the baboon species or those, you know, old world species are considered to be faster, more high strung, and more potentially defensive. Does that mean that there aren't people out there that have ones that you could probably handle easy, more easily than a new world? Absolutely. Of course. Of course. I... I Spoken about my piece of Letheria. Now, to make it very clear, I've never handled a piece of Letheria. I don't believe I ever would handle a piece of Letheria, but, you know, not on purpose. Let's put it that way. And I have some that, honestly, if I put my hand out there, I got a funny feeling they would just calmly crawl on my hand, crawl right off my hand. 
I'm not going to do it because, again, and this is one of the reasons when we speak of peaceful etheria, and I've done many, you know, topics surrounding peaceful etheria, they're demonized in a way because they're considered to have some of the worst bites of all of the tarantulas out there, all the different species. And I think that's it's always that threat of what could be. And that does need to be in the back of your mind. And I, I never tell people ignore the fact that they can bite. I, I, I always bring up when I speak of, you know, baboons or peaceful etheria, the fact that the bites can be particularly nasty and debilitating. And some of the things, you know, how people come up, well, I got bit and it just hurt a little bit. And that was, you know, it. There was no problem. I didn't have to go to the hospital. Well, you, they can dry bite. And that's something that we know that can happen, that they're not going to waste their venom. They'll give you, a, you know, kind of a warning bite. So, buddy, you probably didn't get the, the full venom. Sorry. But where I come back to my topic, I had three people, one since deleted it. And unfortunately, I, I, I hate that people sometimes feel like I think that when they post something, an opposing view to mine on one of my videos, that they're going to get jumped on. And this person's response made me think that he thought he was going to get torn apart. No, I don't. I would never encourage that. I would I would step in. I have stepped in before where somebody's gone against something I've said and somebody that is, uh, I hate to use the word, but quote unquote, a fan will jump on and be like, no, he's right. No, 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 no. I, I have no problem. There's been people that brought stuff up that makes me look at stuff a totally different way. I don't think I'm putting misinformation out there. I don't think I'm putting stuff out there that's wrong, but there are there are places where it's just, and I'll say this, it's my opinion over somebody else's opinion. I, I think my opinion's informed. I try to talk to other keepers when I have an opinion. Like, I don't just sit there and make an opinion and go, that's it, that's my opinion. I'm not going to look to see if it's true or not. I back it up. I talk to other people. I do research. However, there's been things that people have said something where I can't just say, well, I'm right, you're wrong. It's it's not as simple and cut and dry and black and white as that. So basically, three people came forward, and I'm not going to read the actual comments because I don't want to sound like I'm calling them out. I'm not at all, and I was actually very appreciative because it gave me a moment to talk about this. But at the end of the H. Polker Bees video, back to my original point, I, I made the statement is you may be hearing that this spider is very easy to take care of, has an overall calm temperament, so it might be a good beginner species. And then I said it's absolutely not a good beginner species. And a couple people that keep these guys took exception to that. And I had three people use almost the exact words. I agreed with just about everything except the fact that you said they're not a good beginner species. Here's why. And this is where it gets into it's it's a gray issue because it's not – when we talk about a beginner, a quote-unquote beginner, it, there are different types of beginners out there. I mean you can't just lump everybody into one beginner category. So for example, I did – early on one of my earliest podcasts was talking about can you go from being in the reptile or snake hobby into the tarantula hobby, and does that help you? And I think it absolutely does. For those of us who have kept snakes and exotics, it does kind of give you a, a little leg up, I think, as far as recognizing some of the husbandry similarities amongst exotics, the fact they don't need to be fed every day, the fact that you need to be careful, and they're not all cuddly animals. There are some things that come into play. So I've had, you know, I've been privy to conversations where people have like, I've kept snakes for years. Does this mean I'm going to, you know, jump right in and do well for tarantulas? And people are like, it has nothing to do with tarantulas. Well, it does. There's a mindset that goes along with it. And there are some things I will tell you right now, having kept snakes years ago for years, a lot of what I learned from that helped me transition very easily into the tarantula hobby. And I will say that I did move a lot faster than some when I got into it. It wasn't, you know, I've heard people say like, oh, you got to spend like three or five years keeping new worlds before you consider getting into, you know, a, a more defensive, you know, new world arboreal to get you ready for 
the old worlds. And for some people, that's absolutely true. And I've spoken to people that like they ask me, you know, when do you think I'll be ready? I've been keeping new worlds for three years. And I'm like, well, when you feel like you're ready, it's not something, it's not a place I can step in and go, all right, I have ordained you ready for old world tarantulas. It doesn't work that way. It's kind of, you know, when you're ready. So some people take longer than others. I've spoken to people that never want old world tarantulas. I, I've several people that respond that I've corresponded with through my comments on YouTube for years that will come on and I kind of jokingly go, one of these days I'm going to convince you, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. So when you talk about a beginner, you can't just go, here's, if you were to describe your basic beginner, you couldn't really sum it up as one type of person because there are people that come in with absolutely, you know, little Johnny, 12, and this is how I always think of it. I always think of it as right around that 11, 12, 13 is when boys start convincing their parents, mom, I want a snake. Mom, I don't, I don't want a hamster anymore. I don't want a gerbil. I want a snake. I want a, I want a tarantula. So when I'm thinking about, you know, beginner, I start off as, at the lowest. What is the the most green somebody could come into the hobby? And that would be, a, you know, a young man or a young woman. I've met some young ladies, you know, I obviously teach high school that are into them as well. They're trying to convince their parents. It's funny because it's, it's, they can get their parents to get them just about anything. But as soon as you say tarantula, it's done. But they're getting into the hobby. Now I'm thinking about these people, what I deal with and – how much, you know, how careful I am and, and what I do when I move these guys and the things that can go wrong and how, you know, early on, I remember what it would happen when something would bolt, even if it didn't end up out of its enclosure, I get a little bit spooked myself. And I think about my 13-year-old daughter and I think about my, my own kids and what would it be like, you know, can I picture Sid, you know, rehousing a baboon species? No, at this point, not right. Could she probably do it? She's watched me do it many times probably, but no, not, you know, I'm thinking of the average you know, young teenage kid that wants to have this unique pet in their room and hopefully with some adult supervision. But even with adult supervision, anybody that has kids out there, you can't supervise them every single second. That's who I start with. I start with that lowest thing. I'm not thinking of the hobbyist that's 35 years old that has kept snakes and some of them venomous snakes or lizards or reptiles and they have monitors and everything else that, that will give them some of that experience. It means they're not going to necessarily be afraid of them because that's the other thing you have to worry about. And I've mentioned this in the past that some people, that fear can make them, can make it more difficult to work with them. We talk about you want to be cognizant of what they can do, especially with working with old worlds. You want to be cautious. You want to be respectful. You don't want to be fearful. Fearful causes mistakes. Fearful is, having fear is one of those emotions that if it gets too high, you're not operating at you know peak cognitive ability. It's going to start impairing your ability to make decisions. It can impair your motor skills, your fine motor skills. There's a lot of things going there. So when I do these videos, I'm thinking little, you know, Bobby or Jeanette. I don't know where I'm getting these names from. I think I've had one Bobby my whole school career and never had a Jeanette. They're watching videos. They've, they've convinced their mom, hey, mom, I, I want to get a tarantula. I found this channel. I know a lot of kids I, uh, use my channel. I've had kids say I've used your channel for reference to my parents because they they don't like the wackadoo ones when the spiders are getting out all, all, all over the place. And they'll show mine because if I do a rehousing, it generally goes smoothly, which I love here. I can't even tell you. It's one of the best compliments I've gotten, and I get it quite a bit with kids. They're like, yeah, I'm using these to try to convince my mom and dad, and they're getting interested in it. Now, I love that because it means, honestly, that I'm doing exactly what I want to do. But I put, I do the Harpactra poker piece, and at the end of that video, say I go, is this a good beginner? Yes, it is. No, can't do that. I can't as much as I think that some of them, and the argument I got from two people was that they are more laid back, theirs are more laid back 
than many New World species that make it on those lists. And in one case, somebody put boring New World species, which that one drives me nuts a little bit. That's a whole different argument. And like, if you're going in for excitement, wrong hobby, honestly, because if you keep a, most new, most old worlds, if you keep them correctly, you're not going to see them that much anyway. So I, I, I'm not into the adrenaline junkie aspect of it. But if I put at the end of that video, thumbs up, big green thumbs up, yes, it's a good beginner species, then these parents of these kids, and I'm not, it's not just kids, it's adults too, but I'm just thinking, I'm starting at the lowest end of that ladder as far as, you know, a beginner ability. The beginners are, you know, we can say it's, there's a spectrum as far as where you're coming in. I'm starting on the the far end of somebody that has absolutely no experience, maybe a dog or a cat they kind of have to take care of, maybe a hamster or a ferret, who knows, but never done the, you know, the big exotics. So with someone whose opinion is trusted, who people are going to, to for, for good information, I would be incredibly in my opinion, irresponsible to say that that is a good beginner species. And for me to say it could be a good beginner species would take so much explanation at the end of that video to raise awareness as to the the types of challenges people could face with this. And what I found interesting is one of the things I did on this video that I did for the first time, and I'm going to continue to to do these on videos moving ahead because I like it more because it's not just me. And sometimes I'm thinking in some cases I'm going to be, you know, put my place as far as I might've seen something that's not the norm, but I put up a poll and asked people, you know, what, how would you describe the behavior of your H poker bees? Because mine have all been, again, I had the three that I raised myself and then the male that I had for quite a while that was very laid back as well. Mine were always very laid back, visible as once they hit around the three inch mark, slings are a little crazy, a little wackadoo, but if you can place the high, they tend to be fine. Mine were all a little bit nuts back then, but then calmed down with size. But I've always said that this is one I would recommend as a good baboon starter species, that they're very laid back. And obviously, a lot of people, the majority of people found that theirs were either laid back, invisible, or just a little more shy, a little skittish, but shy, but not defensive. There was 30, I want to say 38% of the people, though, did say that theirs, would they would describe as defensive and could throw up threat postures. That means they're not all laid back. That means they're not all, quote unquote, beginner species. So... I was kind of surprised that even after that statistic, which over 300 people responded this, so it wasn't a tiny sample. It was a pretty large sample and obviously not scientific. There's so much more people could, you know, we could break down the behavior wise, but just generally, do you feel like yours is defensive or do you feel like yours is more shy or even bold, but calm, easy? Majority of people found those were laid back, but that's a sizable chunk. I mean, that's it's coming up to 40%, which is a big chunk of them that people consider theirs to be a little more high strung and defensive. So even with that, the three people came forward and said, I disagree with you. I think it could be a good beginner. And it kind of worried me a bit because I, I, I did answer back and I hope it didn't sound like hate sounding sometimes like I'm being defensive. I'm never, there's not, I mean, somebody lies to me, I get, lies about me, I get a little defensive. But as far as differing opinion, I don't get defensive. I love debating. I love, I consider myself somebody who can see both sides of a thing. So I do see where people are coming from. And believe me, with this species in particular, mine, like, mine I can hand off to a beginner. They do fine with it right now. But I, because of how many people I get to interact with between comments and emails, Facebook, whatever it may be, I get a much larger view of the hobby, the people that are in the hobby and what they're experiencing with their animals. So what will happen is sometimes, for example, somebody came on one of my videos and posted, it was, I believe, G, it was G Poker Bees, the Chaco Golden Eagle, one of my favorites. I went, man, my, you kidding me? Those guys are nuts. I have one and it attacks everything that goes into the cage. So 
that's a situation where somebody, because they have one that is not particularly laid back like most people report, they think that they're all nasty. And then I have to kind of come in and, and politely say, oh, I, I totally, uh, totally understand you probably have one that is defensive. That can happen. You know, again, temperament can vary from specimen to specimen. But I have four of them myself that I've raised, all from different sacks. And I've spoken to many, 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 many people about them over the years and not many people report ones that are like that. So you have an exception to the rule. So try to give a larger perspective to it. So I understand that sometimes when people put comments, they're reporting what they see with their own eyes and that's enough to convince them. There's some term for something where if you see it yourself, you immediately assume that what you're seeing is the norm and, you know – Again, it's one of those deals where – and I get it and I've talked about this a lot through the hobby that we have a tendency to see something in our own collections or with certain species and just immediately assume that, all right, that's it. That's the right way. What I saw is obviously how it's supposed to work. So we have people that will keep something, say, incorrectly but their spider appears to be doing well that will then tell other people this is the correct way to do it. And it happens all the time. And and I often get people that will say, you know what, I happen to think that this species could be a good beginner species because I've kept it and mine is really laid back. And then in some cases, I, I agree. In other cases, I'm like, all right, yours may be laid back, but a lot of people report that theirs are not. So I don't think this per these people, obviously, I, I value the opinions. And, and believe me, I do agree that under certain circumstances with certain beginners, that they would do perfectly fine with. Like if I were to give this, if I were to give any of the ones I raised to someone who was just getting into the hobby that had some experience with exotics before, they'd probably do perfectly fine with them. As a matter of fact, they might find my big female kind of boring. She just kind of sits there. It's almost like a G. Porteri. So I, I get that there is truth to that. And this is why I say nothing can be black and white. And in a, when I, and I also mentioned this in my responses to them. When people email me and at, and say, I'm a beginner, I'm looking to get blah, blah specimen and it's an old world. I don't immediately admonish them and go, no, 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 you can't touch those. You got to do this. I ask them questions. I find out about them. I'm not, I, I try to give them the information they're going to need to make an informed decision. But if they're, you know, totally, if their mind's settled and they're going to get one, then we, we talk about things they're going to need to work on and things that are going to be a little more difficult. Like your first rehousings, you're going to have to be really careful. I'd watch some videos. I'd see how they move. I'd get a handle for it. Again, I do believe uh, experience is important. And please don't anybody interpret this as Tom Moran saying beginners should go out and start with the old worlds. No, I'm just saying it's not always a simple one size fits all issue. It's not always, I've met many people that came into the hobby that started with old worlds that never had a single issue with them and they're still in the hobby and doing great. It depends on the individual. It depends on what you're capable of. Obviously experience helps. Some people, uh, you know, take that experience they get and are able to use it much more quickly than others. Others, they have to do stuff many times for many years to kind of feel comfortable with it. Others, they get into it and they jump right in and they're doing fine. It's like, oh yeah, that one ran, but I didn't panic. I caught it and it's back in. So I do think that some people probably could start with this. And I did mention to them that I've had people go, I'm going to get this species. And then I immediately shift gears into, all right, here's what you need to know about. I'm not going to tell them they can't. It's not for me to say. I've, I've said my two cents. I've said, here's what you need to be aware of. I'm think of one hobbyist in particular that started off with an OBT. Again, want to make this very clear. Tom Moran is not telling people to start with OBTs. But I remember saying, listen, you got to be careful. But then I just told him how I kept mine. And you know what? He ended up with like five OBTs. He's got a bunch of other old worlds. He's never been bitten. He's never had a major issue. And it's been like six or seven years. I don't know. It's been a long time. So that's somebody that could jump right in. But back to my point, 
I can't – that would take so much to articulate every single video. And think about it. Just about any species I promote could be a beginner species under that. Like, well, you could get an easy one. As long as you know, these could be, you know, good beginner species. It doesn't work that way. I have to think of that, you know, 11, 12-year-old girl or boy that is getting one for the first time or – you know, I don't know, 30-year-old guy that's never had them before, that had a fear of them before. And I'm not going to start him with an old world, so I can't give that endorsement. If I go around endorsing things as being beginner species that are old worlds, I'm going to, you know, A, I would would hope to think I would lose some credibility in the hobby because that's just irresponsible because people do listen to what I say. People point people in my direction and go, this guy knows what he's talking about. You can trust him. I go to him for information. I go around and start recommending the people just getting into the hobby. And remember, I can't control who watches my videos. So I can't say, all right, if you're above the age of 20, have some experience with reptiles and exotics, then this will be a good beginner. It doesn't work that way. So I have to decide whether or not this species, I can picture it in the average lower end beginner hand and I couldn't. So I, I, it turned into, you know, one of my, I, email, I messaged him back a rather lengthy response, but I really wanted to explain why I couldn't do this. And I think one of the things that people misread is they look at just the behavior of them. So I know one of the comments was, well, mine are more laid back than my, we mentioned this earlier, mine are more laid back than my new worlds. Well, that may be, but new worlds kick hairs. New worlds generally, and obviously there's some out there that will throw up threat posture and some, I'm thinking some of the, you know, the more spicy tropical tarantulas there, the bigger tropical ones. They will, you know, potentially try to bite, but most of them, their first defense is to kick hairs, which although it can be painful, it can be nasty, and it's not anything anybody wants to go through, it's a little different than having a tarantula latch onto your finger and inject nasty venom into you. So right off the bat, I I had to explain that it comes down, it sadly does come down in some cases to the potential of a nasty bite. And that's what I said in my explanation, that I get that you can have two of them there, you know, you could have a crazy bee hammeri, and you could have a very laid-back, hard-packed repulker bee, as we'll just go with the one we're talking about here. But unfortunately, if the hammeri gets a little crazy and bites you, it's going to hurt. It's going to be an unpleasant experience, but you're going to be over it within an hour or so and telling your friends about it, where if the poker peas bites you, it's a totally different ballgame. If you don't get a, a dry bite and you get venom in there, you're going to be in some serious pain. If I recommend instead of the... Uh, P. Cambridgei, if I recommend a Pisolotheria rufalata because mine's really laid back and somebody gets bit by that rufalata, they are going to be in incredible pain. You've got the cramping, the vomiting, the heart palpitations. It's no joke. So unfortunately, yes, you do have to keep the potency of the venom in the back of your mind. You have to look at that worst case scenario, which is the person does try to, you know, Obviously, you've got somebody getting into the hobby. When are you going to get bit? When's the most likely opportunity for you to get bit or for the spider to escape? It's during those rehousings. And I've said many, many times that I try to encourage people. The reason I encourage people to start with New Worlds is to get a feel for the rehousings. Get your rehousings down. Have a systematic plan of attack every time you sit down with a rehousing, whether it be a fossorial or you're digging it out or you're trying that flood method. What are you doing to get the thing out of its den? If you're doing a terrestrial, how are you dealing with it? If you're dealing with one with heavy webbing, what are you going to do? If you're dealing with an arboreal, what are you going to do? Have those ready, practice, be comfortable with that because that's where most of your mistakes, that's where most of your potential from bite is going to come from. And I think, unfortunately, with people starting with old worlds, 
it, it, as beginners that don't have, you know, you can watch videos. It's not the same of having having the spider in front of you. I can tell you that for a fact, having watched a lot of videos before I got into the hobby to kind of prepare for it. And then the first time you get one that bolts, it's like, ah, what do I do? It's it's a little bit different. Some people handle it better than others. But be if you're not prepared for that kind of stuff, that's when it's most likely you're going to run into an issue where the thing gets out. Now you're, you know, your kids, if you have kids, they're in danger. If you have other people in your house, if you're, you know, a 12 year old kid, what are they going to do? Are they going to tell anybody the spider's out or most 12 year old kids self-preservation is going to kick in and they're going to be like, I'm not going to tell anybody I'm missing it. And now you've got a venomous spider on the loose in the house with pets, with cats, with dogs, with people, the spider's in danger, people's in danger, terrible experience all around. That's the stuff you have to think about. That's the spot where you're going to get bit. And if you do get bit, now you're going to be in a world of hurt. So I think what happens is people look at the calmness. I can have a spider that's calm 99.9% of the time. It's when those rehousings come along that you potentially run into an issue. And that's where it's going to happen. So I can't recommend them as good beginner species because of that fact, because of the potential for the bite, because of the fact that I know this is somebody that's getting into the hobby that doesn't have the experience rehousing. I get more comments on my rehousing videos and more thank yous, which I, again, absolutely love because every once in a while, I'm like, my God, I'm doing another rehousing video. These people must be getting sick of them. But I get people to go, no, you don't understand. We appreciate it. It gives us different looks, what to look for. We can see how it's done. We can look at something. I have my little cups and things that I make for it. It helps people out. So I know there's a lot of stress involved around rehousing. So you just look at that small facet of the hobby, the rehousing, small but important. And it comes up every, you know, depending on how quickly the species grows, you're going to be doing it three, four times. That's where your potential for being bit is. That's where you have to look at the venom potency. Because if I have, you know, a quote unquote boring G. porteri and it bites me, I'm going to be in a lot better shape than if I have a more lively, say OBT that bites me. You know, you read the bite reports on those, they can be incredibly painful. So when it comes down to it, there is no way I can ever publicly recommend an old world species. Even my E. pachypus, who are two of the most laid back, I love those little girls. Most of the time they're in their burrows. When you catch them out, they don't threat posture. They don't bolt. They calmly turn around and slowly climb into their, their holes. It's amazing. I still wouldn't recommend them because the potential is there. And another thing people tend to forget, and I know from experience, from fielding lots of emails from people that are just researching getting into the hobby, a lot of people come to this hobby thinking that you have to handle. That's something that I know we talk about the handling thing all the time. And again, I I don't do it myself. I don't see a huge need for it, but I don't, I'm not one of these people that comes down when I on people when I see that they are handling. I've done it before. I do think that it has, you know... I've had experiences where handling has been very profound for me personally. So again, we're not going to turn it into a handling debate, but a lot of people think that you have to handle and don't realize that the majority of us treat these guys like you would the exotic fish. We use that analogy all the time where, you know, when people are like, what do you mean you got a, a spider? You don't handle them. What is the point of having a pet? And, I'm like, and I had this literal discussion with a friend of mine. I'm like, well, you have fish, right? They're like, yeah. I go, do you take them out and pet them? I'm like, no, well, that's, I guess that's a good point, but they're in water and then you get into that. But anyway it's a lot of people come into the hobby expecting to handle. They don't realize that they're not all laid back. A lot of people come into the hobby with that whole idea that 
all the bites are no worse than bee stings. I just the other day I get, you know, my Google feed on my phone. I love it because it's all stuff I'm interested in now. And I get spider articles all the time. And one of them was basically myths about tarantulas. And one of the myths they put in, or one of the things they put in there was that their bites aren't that bad at all. They're like a bee sting. No, that's not true. Those are new world species. They completely disregarded old school, uh, old world species. So a lot of us come in with not having the experience, you know, t- take a typical beginner, even one that isn't 12 years old. No experience rehousing where all your problems are going to pop up usually. They think that you have to handle them. That's a recipe right there for disaster. That's a recipe for, oh, it bolted. I'll just pick it up and put it back in its enclosure. And now I've gone ahead. They've picked up a spider because they heard about this Tom Big, Tom's Big Spiders guy that somebody recommended on a Facebook group and supposedly his information is good. And, oh, this spider is gold and it has blue legs. It's gorgeous. It's an old world. I don't know what the heck that means, but he said, it's, I, I'm looking at this. It get, it's a big green thumbs up for beginner species. I'm going to pick one up. And now where is this person? There, and I will tell you, people do email me and I do get comments every so often about people picking up spiders that they realize afterwards they weren't ready for. People like scoff at this sometimes like, oh, you get it and everything goes fine. It doesn't always go fine. Sometimes all it takes is one negative experience, one instance where the thing – I, you know, I've had people literally say – I had this spider. It's been great. I went to put water in the dish the other day. It attacked the water dish, and now I'm afraid to even open up the top of the container to do any maintenance. That's not a good thing. We don't want that happening. We don't want people in that situation. That comes back to our original you know, idea about fear being detrimental to the hobby, being detrimental to safekeeping. So we don't want people in that situation. So if I go ahead and recommend these guys and somebody goes out and gets bit or has a bad experience, I look terrible. They look terrible. So this is why I will not recommend old worlds. And again, I will be doing something in video. The problem with I'm having with the difference between the podcast and the videos is videos, not everybody, obviously, but they cater their... They're more accessible to people that don't have the attention span to sit through some jerk talking for, you know, 40 minutes to 50 minutes or whatever. And not that I don't blame them. I watch videos myself sometimes because they're easier to just jump into, bounce around. But a message like this, if I were to do this in a video and do it justice, it would make for one of the most boring videos ever. So unfortunately, I come over here with all you folks that probably don't even care and never have this issue to begin with. But I do feel like at least now I have, again, a place if somebody makes this comment again here, if you have a moment, please listen to this podcast. This gives my thoughts on recommending old worlds for beginners. I'm just not ever going to do it. And I, again, the one that gave me a little pause and I didn't, I I get it. I've, I've heard this one before, but it's usually along the lines of people saying that the ones that generally make the beginners less or boring new worlds. And I just don't get it. Like, I'm again, I want to point out that if kept correctly, your old worlds can be 10 times more boring and 100% less visible than your new worlds. It's just a silly idea for me. And, and again, this is coming from somebody who got it, you know, had new worlds. I kind of had new worlds and old worlds at the same time, and I found positives about them both. So the when you come in going, they're boring, right off the bat, I have to question your motivation for getting into this hobby. I don't think the, the people that are in this hobby for the right reasons, it's generally not because we're looking for adrenaline rushes. If that's how you're going to run this hobby, I'd rather you steer clear and do something else because it's not, we don't need that. I mean, the idea of keeping these guys is not to get the adrenaline rush. And again, some of this, I think, I'd be lying if I didn't say there's some excitement when there's a rehouse coming up. You know, it's it's a nervous excitement, but it's not, man, I can't wait to rehouse this. Hopefully it goes wrong. It's more just getting excited for the actual activity, knowing it could go wrong, being ready for it. It's kind of a challenge. But to label New Worlds, you know, the New World species is boring or ugly or plain. I don't get it. Be hammerized ugly, be erratum. I mean, 
G. Polkra. I get more people talking about G. Polkra lately or the Kira guy. It's insane how many people find that one to be incredibly attractive and, and their most attractive spider. So I don't, you know, to say they're boring, to say they're ugly, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that. Again, it's not, it's my opinion. It's, it's beauty's in the eye of the beholder. I mean, right now I have probably 40 something species of old worlds in my tarantula room and the majority of them you can't see right now because most old worlds will burrow and they will stay in their burrows where they feel comfortable. They'll come out and venture out at night. So I don't see how that's more thrilling. So I don't get that argument. I don't even know how to defend against that argument because it does come down to opinion. I guess I, who's who am I to say that if somebody's got, you know, old worlds, they don't find them more exciting than new worlds. I don't know. But I think the idea that people new to the hobby are going to be turned off because they're bored by the spiders, I've never really prescribed to that. Sure, there are people out there that went, oh, I got a G. Porterian and it just sat there. And then I got an OBT and I was like, yeah, this is where it's at. Well, then that's what that person need, needed to be interested in the hobby. Fine. But I think the majority of, us are, a majority of us that get into the hobby for the first time are just in awe of these giant eight-legged hairy spiders. Like you, It doesn't matter what you have in front of you. It could be a little you know, H. chilensis. They're big, they're hairy, they're they're gorgeous, they're unique, and I think that right there is enough. That thing could just sit there all day long. My G. Terry did nothing. Had, she still does nothing, but did nothing when I first got her. It was just the presence of her that I found fascinating. So I, I don't prescribe that whole we need exciting species. Are there ones out there that are like – as far as beginners that are, have a little more activity that might entice people, sure, absolutely. And that's when you start talking about the GBBs, the geniculatas, a geniculata, um, even the LPs to a point because they get bigger and they can be a little more lively, although mine are pretty much just pet rocks. But I don't think we need to traipse into the world of old worlds just to get some of that excitement. So anyway, again, once again, I start off what was going to be like a 10-minute intro and it turned into a huge topic. But I think this is something, you know, I'm curious what other people think. I personally will never recommend an old world tarantula because of the fact that one bite and and again I've seen how easily lately it's it's been very made very clear to me how easily my words can be tris, twisted or misconstrued to say something that is not it does not coincide with my actual message and that scares me so as as much as I try and again this is from the teaching background where I'm working to come at things from different angles and different perspectives and to try to try, you know, rephrase and say things different ways to get more people to actually get my message. I try to be as thorough and clear as possible and to the point, I think sometimes of redundancy to get my message across and it can still be taken the wrong way. And I've had this happen where, you know, you get a comment and somebody takes something you said the wrong way and you're like, whoa, 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 back up, back up. Those are the ones I jump on like in a split second. Like, well, just want to clarify. That's not what I was saying. But it would be, you know, very negligent of me to start putting old worlds on that or to recommend any old world. It's never going to happen. I, I do, you know, at the end of this video, I did say I would recommend them as a beginner old world or as like, you know, I want to get into old worlds. We'll start with these guys. You're going to get some of that speed as a sling, which again, they're not prone to bite. I don't think as slings, but you're going to get some of that speed. You're going to have to uh, work through some potentially exciting rehousings, but they'll calm down with age. So it'll kind of be a nice segue in. But I can't go ahead and put, you know, this one would be a good beginner. I put that green thumbs up on that video. I'm going to have a lot of people buying those that uh, are not ready for them. And I, I hope – one thing I do try to articulate is I do cover all the points. Like people can look at that and decide for themselves. So if I got somebody that's just gotten into the hobby that's a beginner but has some experience with exotics that watches that video, they probably will take the cue that this could be something they did okay with. But I'm not going to make them I, – I can't 
put the stamp beginner ready on that thing because that would just be irresponsible for me. So anyway, that was, I know we've covered that before. And again, we could go into, I I would like to address the whole beginner topic thing again someday because I, I, my thoughts on that do evolve and I do see it more as a spectrum now than just a, a straight up, all right, this is what you need to do. Uh, these are the species you need to keep. But again, it's it's not – we can sit there. We can come up with a ladder system, but it's it's all going to be our opinions. There's no right or wrong here per se. It's just a matter of I'm thinking about those beginners that are getting in that don't have that experience necessary to deal with the, you know, the potential if something goes wrong with these guys. And that's always what I'm thinking about in my videos. And hopefully the people that you know are on that more advanced end of the spectrum read in that go, all right, you know what? Only 38% of people got defensive ones. I'm going to take a chance. Or maybe they read a lot of the comments. And even the people that – and I put out a poll. And even some of the comments to the poll, people would say defensive. But when they described the behavior, it sounded like it was more skittish. They weren't really getting threat poses. It was just skittish. So, again, it might even be less. But that's information people can take and make a decision for themselves. But I have to target my videos for you know the people that are trusting my word, that are coming into the hobby, knowing what type of skills the average beginner comes in with and engage it by that. So, obviously – we could go into it all, you know, this this could be several podcasts talking about what makes good beginners. Is there such thing as a good beginner? Are there really advanced tarantulas? How difficult is tarantula keeping overall? We could go into all that, but this is more just to address that point and explain why I can't recommend those because I'm sure there's other people out there thinking the same thing. And I don't, I'm not arguing. And again, I have in private with speaking to people, gotten a feel that this person might be ready for it. There's a point where someone's mind is set. You stop arguing. And you start giving them hopefully the necessary tools to succeed at the decision they made. And that's what I generally do. So hopefully that one covers that topic. Hopefully it wasn't too boring for all y'all, but it is something I haven't talked about for a while. I think we did the beginner thing a way a while back and I kind of wanted to address it again. So again, I love these podcasts because like I mentioned before, they do provide me a good way to when somebody asks me a question, because I'm sure this is going to come up again and I'll be able to basically go here, take a moment and listen to the podcast. And I don't know how many people actually do. I did have somebody the other day did it though. They emailed me about something. I said, I just did a podcast on this and they came back like four or five days later and they're like, I just listened to the whole podcast and they weren't really a podcast listener. So I'm glad because I know this can be a different media. Some people like the visual aspect and for a while I didn't even want to you know, do the podcast only because I was like, how is this going to work without me being able to show this stuff? I was so used to being able to show it. Even when I wrote my articles on Tom's Big Spiders, I wouldn't do a husbandry article on a spider I didn't have a photo of. No joke. Like that was the big thing. Some of these guys, I had articles written and I would be in the tarantula. I'm like, Billy, I just got one. I just got the e puts out. I just got a bunch of pictures of it. And then I'd go right to the computer and get the article ready. So for me, I always recognized that that visual component was a must. Like people want to see what this looks like. I can talk about the e puts all day long. So you see those little fluffy boogers. It's a totally different ball game. So I, the, the visual part is important to me. So I do get when some people are like, oh, podcast, you're just going to talk the whole time. But I do think that some people, if they really want the information, it's there. They can go through it. And unfortunately, they're going to have to go through about 38 minutes of it. But oh well, you know, I want to make sure I covered it thoroughly. All right. And to close this one out, um, some news about the t-shirt front. And I want to explain it here because, again, YouTube, it doesn't really – people want to see videos inspires. They want to hear me talk. 
And this is a good spot. You guys actually become like my spider therapist. I'm able to get stuff out here. And I tell you, there's days I get on and I'm kind of dreading doing a podcast. I'm like, what am I going to talk about? You know, I always try to hit the – I've been trying to – originally, they're going to be a half hour long. And we've been more closer to 40, 45 minutes. I did just upgrade my plan so I have more time now. I got a couple patrons and I basically went ahead and like, all right, well, then we're going to up and get the next plan up and I'll be able to do longer episodes. So it's totally cool there. But one of the things I I wanted to talk about is the t-shirt stuff. I've had people asking for a while for the t-shirts. And for me, I will just explain that I – Try to articulate this and not sound like a, a, a jerk. It, it it was weird to me that people would want to wear the Tom Big, Tom's Big Spiders logo. I don't see – people always talk about with the YouTube stuff, the branding. You're a brand and I never saw myself as a brand. I'm a guy who likes talking about spiders, who enjoys teaching and this is just an extension. Creatively, I like you – know, I have an art background. I love creating things. I love – spending time on something, walking away from it and going, I produced that. I get a lot of satisfaction out of that. So if I do a podcast, if I do a particular video that I'm particularly proud of or an article, I feel good just producing it. It's something I enjoy doing. It's like I'm not doing it to get recognition or anything. It's I enjoy doing it and I think my love of tarantulas and the fact that I enjoy working with the, you know the video and the audio stuff, it's, it's become like a new little hobby into itself. I love doing it and there's no – we have a huge. I had a huge conversation with somebody the other day that was trying to get into YouTube, and they were asking me how do you go about being a successful YouTuber. And I said I'm the worst person on the planet to ask about that because I don't really, I, I didn't have the same motivations as some people. And again, to make it very very clear, I understand why people do it and the people that want to do it because they want to be a YouTube personality or whatever. It just wasn't my perspective. I kind of got sucked into it because I was putting up video. We've gone through all this before. I'm not going to go through it. But again, I try to explain so I don't sound like a, a kind of a jerk when I get weirded out when people are like, oh, I really want a t-shirt. I can't tell you the first person asked me for a t-shirt. I turn to Billy. I'm like, oh my God, this is hilarious. Somebody wants a t-shirt. Why would anybody want that? And Billy's like, because people like your channel and they want to support it. And I'm like, but I'm just like, you wouldn't wear a t-shirt saying Mr. Moran at school, although the kids and I have joked about it before the kids were going to do it as a joke. So that whole aspect of it weirded me out. Like I don't see myself in that way and, and I and I've tried to respect the fact that people do and they want to show that support. Uh, that support. So anyway, I started thinking about doing t-shirts a while back and we're just going to do the Tom's Big Spiders logo, the circular one, purple, the purple one that I call my um, Dominican violet one because I basically the logos, anytime my logo changes color, it's usually meant to match the background spider. So the first one was orange because it was Ophilipinus and I still bounce to the Ophilipinus uh, as my logo spider. Every once in a while, I do the Formictopus Dominican violet, obviously. So I have the orange and the purple and I originally set up t-shirts with just those logos on it. And I looked at it and I'm like, all right, I feel like this is just like, look at me, I'm awesome. I have my own logo. It just felt weird. So I started thinking, all right, with the background, the art background, it would be fun to do my own designs and maybe so people that don't want to wear my logo or just want a cool tarantula t-shirt to, you know, show their friends or to, you know, show that they're into the hobby. What if I did something that wasn't really logo centric? So I almost launched with just the logos because I had a lot of people asking. I had somebody that was going to do the silk, the screen printing on it. But then I started looking into places like Teespring and there's a, a bunch of other people out there that do the print on demand. Because after I mentioned doing just t-shirts, everybody's like, well, what about coffee mugs? What about hoodies? What about tank tops? What about stickers? So it was like, oh my gosh, now we're getting into like, this is a production. So long story short, Spent the summer drawing up some designs. Now, again, some people are going to like them. Some people aren't. I, I did reference these earlier on. And I, as I s- expected, when I put them up, some people were like, oh, my God, those are amazing. Other people were like, yeah, I really don't like them. 
Totally cool. I, I get it. But it's important. I also had other people volunteer, which I, I don't know if it was because they thought the designs were so terrible that they're like, dude, let me help you out. But they volunteered to do the designing for me. But it was important that it was my designs. And I, I really wanted it to be something I was doing. So I, I stuck with my designs, came up with right now we have P Metallica. I have Severus Colors, the one I finished last week. We have the P Muticus, the OBT. We have M Balfouri. And we also have the GBB, the C. Cayenne pubescens. So I have five. I wanted, it was important for me to launch, if I was going to do this, to launch with, to give people an option of what to choose. So it wasn't just, all right, here's Tom's logos and one spider and that's it. To give people kind of a, an option. And I tried to pick, I'll be honest, I tried to pick spiders that were not only popular and had like a following, but also spiders that have different colors that I could play more with the colorations of it. So they almost, I almost wanted them to look like different sports teams or college t-shirts like with the logo with the you know the name of the college on it and the thing I kind of had that in the back of my mind when I designed them which I thought would be kind of a cool little thing but anyway so now what I have is the two logos the orange and the purple I have those five spiders I have mugs I have tank tops I have stickers hopefully I have it covered so the people that want to wear the logo that's great for people that just want something cool with a spider on it or a tarantula on it they're covered. The ones with the tarantulas on the front, what will happen with the ones with the actual spiders, the species ones, the tarantula and the words are on the front. I'm used to metal t-shirts. Metal t-shirts you always have the band on the front. You know, that's the thing that most people are going to be seeing. But then on the back, it's the Tom Moran's, the Tom's Big Spiders logo, the square one that I use for the videos. On the back, like by the collar, sort of like a brand. So it's still on there for people that want it. I thought that would be cool to kind of do it like a brand. But anyway, my whole goal was to put something out there that – you didn't have to just like my channel to want to buy something. I figured that would be the cool way to do it because this is kind of a little side project for me and it'd be a cool way. You know, honestly, if it sells well, great. I'm already picking up ones for myself. So it's kind of selfishly motivated too because I was doing things that I wanted to wear. So I kind of started with, all right, this would be cool. This would be something I'd like to show off. And then if other people want it, great. And obviously if they sell well, awesome. I will continue to do ones. I think it'll be something fun to do on the side. I'm just going to chisel away and just keep doing different ones and try to add to it. So there's a lot to pick from and it'd be a cool way. You know, I don't have them marked way up. I tried to keep the cost down, like the mugs I got at $9.99 because the, the their success their suggested price was like $15.99. I was like, the heck with that. So the idea is more to just put something cool out there. If I get any money for it, I'm just gonna roll it right back into the hobby anyway. So anyway, way the reason I say this is I've had this ready now for a while and, and I'm kind of like sheepish about launching it. So I'm probably going to put it up on Facebook this weekend. I'm going to put something up on YouTube this weekend, and please just let me know if there's something you want to see or something that doesn't come out right. I've been obsessing over this thing, but the Teespring, although they offer a lot of options, they're, when you set the stuff up, it isn't the most intuitive thing. Like Once you set up all the prices of what you're going to sell and you go ahead and publish it, there's no way to go back and change the prices. So I'm afraid that like when I started off, I was still trying to figure out what I was going to put up there for prices for things. And So if anybody sees anything wonky, just email me and I should be able to fix it on my end. But hopefully people will enjoy what I came up with. Again, I know it's not going to be for everybody. I am looking at doing some posters later on. I did that one with the rainbow of spiders and I put it up. I think it was Redbubble it was on originally. And a couple people picked that up. I have one here. And a couple other designs. Some people talked about putting actual photographs on the mugs and we can look into that. But let me know, you know, if you see something on there that you, you know, or you don't see something on there that you'd like be interested in. Let me know. We can see about it. 
I want a zip up. I wear zip up hoodies. And unfortunately, the one bad thing about Teespring, there was another company I was looking at as well, but I, they, the shipping, the cost of the stuff was a lot more expensive than Teespring. And I want these to be affordable. I don't want people to have to spend like 30 bucks for a t shirt. That's ridiculous. But um, they don't, unfortunately, on Teespring have the zip up hoodies, but I will be looking to see if I can find a company that can do them for a decent price and maybe have those on the side because that's usually what I wear. I, I have a couple of the pullover hoodies. I think I have a typo negative one. I have a. Where's the other one? Decapitation or something. It's all very you know wholesome bands. But I I would like them for myself, so we'll see going ahead. But unfortunately, we don't have those up. I do have tank tops, women's tees, T-shirts, the whole nine. So hopefully, if I don't get cold feet, I will put that up this weekend. I'm, I'm just – I don't know. I've got anxiety about launching it because it's something I – was against doing for a long time. And then as I started feeling more like, all right, this is something I can do, the closer it got, the more like, cause this is my stuff. So if people hate it, it's, it's a reflection of me. You can't like, Oh, I hate the design. Well, that's all on me. So we'll see how it goes. I personally, I'm excited about it while scared at the same time. So hopefully people like it again, don't feel obligated to buy anything. Don't feel like you have to buy the logo shirts. You don't have to spend a dime. I do this for free. It's for fun. But this is a neat little thing that allows me to, you know, kind of exercise some creativity, have some fun with obviously a hobby I love and put some hopefully cool merch out there that isn't just self-indulgent. Hey, please support Tom's Big Spiders. It's, it's something you can put it on and wear it. And, it, you know, nobody has to even see the logo on the back if you don't want to. So, Look for that. Hopefully, maybe this afternoon, um, more than likely. Actually, this may, now that I think about it, I'm shooting this on a Friday, and the podcast will go up on Sunday, so they might already be up by then, so we'll see how it goes. But anyway, thanks so much, everybody, for listening to me talk. I mean, honestly, I feel like sometimes people thank me for these, and I'm like, no, thank you, because I just got so much off my chest, and this one felt good to kind of talk about, clarify my thoughts on the whole world species as beginners a bit and talk about some things that, you know, have gone on with the, the recent video and to kind of, you know, get the stuff out there about the t-shirts. I feel kind of uncomfortable about it. So, and this is not fishing. Don't, please don't feel f- you have to come on and like, come on, Tom. We, I don't, I, I don't ever do this because I want people to come back and, and make me feel better. I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. I just, I, I, I'm afraid that sometimes when I like scoff, when somebody says I want a t-shirt that they think it's rude or I'm being, you know, a jerk about it. It's not that. It's just I want people to understand that it just, it, it's weird to me that people would want to show that kind of support. That's it. So anyway, I'm going to shut up now. I've rambled long enough. I'm going to finish up my morning coffee and I'm going to sit down and relax. I go back to school on Monday. I had my first day back actually yesterday where I had to go back. We have to go one day over the summer to review paperwork and it was 86 degrees in my room. It was disgusting. So I'm not looking back to forward to going back next week when I have a room full of kids because that room has hit 90 before, which is inhumane. It's an old brick building that when the sun comes over the top on the other, there's a building on the other side of me where the sun comes up in the east. And once it clears that building, there's huge windows that basically the sun hits those windows and it's like being locked in your car in the summer, heats the whole room up. So it's disgusting. So not looking forward to going back in the heat. I'm not really a heat guy. I wore a vest this year when it hit. At one point, it was we had windshield that was 15 below, and I was fine with a vest and a long sleeve shirt. A little chilly, but still comfortable. So the heat kills me. So anyway, I'm whining now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> this one got a little wonky, but I'm going to go finish my coffee, relax a bit, shoot a video, and enjoy the rest of my summer vacation before things get hectic again. As always, I truly appreciate everybody that takes the time to listen to these. I know it's a huge time commitment. The fact that people look forward to them is just amazing. So everybody have a great morning, evening, afternoon, and we'll catch you next time.